everyone and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, Minute by Minute, or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Sarah Buddery, and we have a guest for this week's scene, which we're very, very excited about because, boy, is it a great scene. Uh, so welcome to the show, Tom Grant Ward. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. Uh, I've just about stopped crying after doing my prep uh, for this scene <laughs> earlier. More on that later. <laughs> um, so as our guest, of course, as all of our guests, we have to ask you the, the Jaws question. So what is it that you that you love about Jaws and that uh, brought you to, uh, to us to come in on this podcast? Ooh, it's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think ultimately it was probably... I think next to Jurassic Park, the first Spielberg film I saw. Also, I was very lucky when I was younger that I got to go to Florida and obviously they had the Jaws ride. Mm. And I I actually don't know if I went on the Jaws ride before I saw Jaws. I could. My memory is a bit hazy in that respect, but it definitely scared the life out of me on the ride. Mm. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was always something that I knew was considered to be a big deal in the world of cinema even at a young age. Um, I seem to recall when I did watch Jurassic Park, someone said, oh yeah, you should see what he did with the sharks. And I thought, oh, okay, he's done something with sharks. Um, But then it's just become, it's so rewatchable. It's something that always rears its head in uh, whatever corner or genre that you seem to, you know, find yourself in. Obviously horror, it pops up in, but drama as well. It's got a bit of everything really um so it's always something that it feels weirdly comforting as well to watch as a film i don't know why that is um, <laughs> but yeah it's just got a bit of everything uh and ultimately even all this time down the line it's still something that you know i will happily watch over and over again mm. it's funny you call it uh comforting because when i tell people jaws is one of my comfort films they honestly look at me like i'm a psychopath uh <laughs> I I have similar films where I'm like I could easily throw this on and they'll think what are you doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> like look look man look man don't judge. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like is that same okay? with same with yeah it's the same with music like mm-hmm. you know how do you how do you concentrate? Some people listen to scores. I do that, but I can also listen to something extremely loud. It zones me out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I totally understand how Joe's is a comfort film. Yeah, <laughs> many things to uh, to many people. And I think you're, MJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had, I can't remember which guest, but we had another guest whose like, first exposure to Jaws was the ride, which I just think is a really fun way to come about it. <laughs> um, I don't remember, but yeah, that would be... Yeah. Uh, I, I that sounds familiar. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. was actually very torn because uh, when I was, again, very lucky to go back 
obviously pre-covid but for my honeymoon we went to disney and florida again but obviously universal and even though don't don't you know hit me with a stick here unfortunately but i love harry potter uh harry potter has replaced it Mm. and it did make me feel a bit sad but at the same time i could understand almost why because I think it broke down far too often, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah. which is ironic, isn't it? Given the nature of the film and all the production problems, so and today's scene, yeah. mm-hmm. and today's scene, yeah, yeah. What a great segue uh, there to talking <laughs> about this week's scene. Uh, we'll we'll get stuck into it because if my notes are anything to go by, uh, lots to say about this week's scene. This has been one that I think yeah, it's a big one this week. Yeah, me and MJ, we've had this, we've had this on our radar for ages, sort of talking about this as as being one of like the really, really big moments and struck again by how late into the film this happens as well. Like we really, really are on the home stretch of this film now. I know we've probably said that a lot, but uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, rapidly heading towards the end of this film now. So the scene that we're talking about this week, the timestamp is from 1 hour 56 minutes and 54 seconds through to 1 hour 57 minutes and 52 seconds. Yes, I did say that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is 58 seconds uh, of the film. There were a lot of 50s in that sentence, so I was just making sure <laughs> I said it right. Uh, in this scene, uh, it begins. Quince is looking out to the horizon. Uh, and then we get a shot uh, under the water as the shark is approaching the orca. The shark then very dramatically uh, appears, leaps <laughs> onto the back of the boat. Uh, all kinds of chaos breaks loose on on the orca. There's things flying all over the place. Uh, Quint has uh, uh, is is grabbing onto the side of the orca, and then the the oxygen tank, uh, one of the remaining oxygen tanks, sort of rolls over his fingers, um, and that causes him to slide down towards the shark and. There is nothing more that can be done, and uh, Quint is taken by the shark and dies. Ugh, even just saying that, my heart is like, no. Um, yes, uh, this uh, week we are talking about uh, Quint's death scene, a very, very dramatic and bloody and gory moment in the film uh, that we are going to have tons to, to say about. So as our esteemed guest, uh, Tom, you get to go first. So anything that, uh, <laughs> no pressure, uh, anything that you that you picked up on in this scene or that you particularly enjoyed in this, well, enjoyed is the wrong word, but uh, appreciated. Well, no, I think, I think, <laughs> I think enjoy, enjoyment is a very valid. So, so obviously I have, uh, I have been listening to you guys, so I've had the pleasure of uh, picking up sort of where we've got to. And obviously, like I said before, weirdly comforting, but it is a big moment. So I think for me, even now, what is it, 1974? when it came out so we're nearly what 50 years away from it Mm -hmm. and i think what's what always stands out to me is that you know you could very easily laugh at this sequence um because of the fact it's such a aged film i guess and the fact that if you know anything about sharks they don't do this (laughs) but (laughs) that being said for poetic license and just the drama of the sequence sure why the hell not um I just think that the for such a fifty eight seconds isn't a long time, but so much happens in that fifty eight seconds. Um yep. I think in in lesser hands, i.e. obviously I mean Spielberg obviously very young when he did this. It was second film, was it? 
after Sugarland. <clears throat> yeah. Um, second, second major film, yeah. Second major film, that's right. So um, obviously he did Jewel as well, but that was telly. But he's got the drama chops and the horror chops to build up such a sequence. And it's all over so quick. But I think that's kind of what would happen, I guess. If I can't speak for anyone who's been eaten by a shark. But, yeah. y- you know, like just how fast everything happens. And it's it's the culmination of, of everything that we've seen up until this point. Obviously, at this point, we've we've seen more and more of the shark, haven't we? Um mm than we did in like the opening hour i guess um but yeah i just find that it's the culmination of everything and ultimately one of the core three has to go um and even now i think the actual death itself it's still i'm gonna drop an f-bomb it's still fucking terrifying (laughs) um Mm -hmm. i just just the fact that it like spielberg kind of lingers on it you know it's not just a om nom nom kind of situation is <laughs> no no we're gonna he's gonna he's clearly fighting you know he's trying to kick it uh bruce I'll, I'll throw in the real name he's trying to kick it bruce um and then it gets him and then you'd think that just that first crunch should be enough um but then they throw the whole no we're going extra and <laughs> the blood the blood spurt which i mean i don't know i have research censorship and you know i come from a film studies background at university but in terms of censorship at the time i'm not really sure whether it where it you know if it was acceptable to do stuff like that how much it got away with you know um, i mean I guess... exorcist had come out a couple years prior so oh okay you see over here it was x was it i think mm-hmm. well in the in the uk so that was basically like the NC-17 of its mm-hmm. day in England, I guess. You could... Jaws was rated X? I'm pretty sure it was. Mm. I could be wrong. It's, Apologies if I am. It's a, it's <laughs> PG here, which is the second most mild uh, rating. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's changed well, think... now. But it's, yeah, it used to be a much higher rating, but they, I think that over time they've just changed the criteria a little bit because yeah yeah, it's a pg here as well which is absolutely wild yeah it is absolutely wild and i I always remember having i think uh when the first dvd version came out it was a 12 but the 12 was because of the bonus features yeah because i think i think roy scheider said shit a few times in the (laughs) special features so that yeah. bumped it up. It wasn't anything to do with like the leg, you know the, yeah. you know the, <clears throat> the leg dropping yeah. or the kid dying, or obviously Quint getting bitten in half. None of that. No, God no. Um, and and the thing as well that I noticed as well, and I don't know if you guys think this, but like the blood actually looks like blood. Uh, I always find that even into like the nineties and stuff, like some blood is clearly toned down in post to be look looks more orange you know, to dilute it a bit so they get a, a better rating. So mm. obviously it appeals to a bigger crowd. But this was like, yeah, this really looks like blood that's coming out of his mouth. Um, but yeah, it's a very chaotic 58 seconds. Because um, <laughs> just just prior to this, obviously, they think Hooper's dead, don't they? They think, mm-hmm. you know, he's been eaten in the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just like, yeah, I'm going to attack the boat. <laughs> Um, so I did ramble on a bit there. I do apologize, but it's just, yeah, but I will say just before we, everyone talks, sorry. Um, it lays the foundations for what's to come. And what I mean by that is like, 
in terms of prop placement you've mentioned the oxygen tank uh-huh. and i'm not going to step on the toes of another podcast but we all know kind of where that goes so it's laying the foundations for what's to come even further down the line yeah which is very clever not a lot of films do that mm-hmm. end of rant that's <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful setup uh sequence for the final showdown and conflict and the shark's not done you know poking at this set to uh to 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 do that and did they did we talk about this they had to have shot this uh sequentially right like most films shoot stuff out of order but here they're like destroying parts of the set so they have to um yeah they have to to shoot it in order um i know like uh it was a big deal. I don't know why I remember this from this movie that I have not seen. Um, but uh, the, 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 the John Favreau movie Zathura, uh, which is space Jumanji, they had to shoot it in oh, sequence. Yeah. And I remember that was like a big deal. He talked about on like an interview I saw with him uh, because they're breaking, they're, they're breaking the set apart because the house is like floating through space or whatever during the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this is like, this is exactly the same thing, right? They're, they're just like, the the shark is sinking the boat it's i mean over the course of the last half of the film it's just doing more and more damage you know Mm -hmm. directly and indirectly to the 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 boat so this is you know this is the 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 shark is kind of setting the stage for its demise which is kind of uh you know obviously it has no idea right like um Mm -hmm. because it is still a creature although a creature that thinks a lot differently than uh (laughs) every other shark that's ever existed but um yeah the the setup aspect of like how he's able to ground this scene in the emotion of quint dying and like really Mm -hmm. make you feel that while also like propulsively moving you closer and closer to the i mean there's what six minutes left including credits that we have to talk about like he's (laughs) he's <laughs> he's moving this this movie forward every chance he gets like there's not a wasted second yeah. of it mm-hmm. um no the other thing i noticed how long has it been since we've heard any lines of dialogue i guess the yeah. i guess roy scheider last week screaming yeah right. but there hasn't been yeah it's been it's been light on dialogue for quite a while i was listening back to some of our old uh or episodes recent episodes um where we're sort of talking about the long moments of silence and yeah we have that whole like montage scene and then hooper's underwater and there's mm-hmm. no talking then and then there's a little bit in last week's scene but yeah it's not been big chunks of dialogue for a, for a while and that's going to continue to the end of the movie I, th- I can only think of like three lines that happen between now and when when credits are, are done <laughs> Mm. Yeah, because Brody Brody talks to himself a little bit Does uh, he? when okay. he's lining lining the shot up uh, for for the shark when he's like oh, like where he's like show me the tank show me the tank oh yeah 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 um, and then the very short the conversation between yeah, Brody and uh, Hooper but yeah. yeah. And then the, the, the big line from this part of the movie. I was going to say, yeah. I'm, I wanted to say it. I'm not going to because I'm stepping on the toes. So. <laughs> um, but the line, yeah. the line. The, the, the line, line, yeah. Uh, I also want to talk about, I think maybe this is MJ's Jaws hot take. I think this is the best <laughs> acting Shaw does in the whole movie. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. He's so good in this scene. Um, mm-hmm. 
just like the fear and desperation and but still kind of like fuck you attitude he has to this shark <laughs> it's like it all comes through and he's just screaming um mm-hmm. and the way he like those are a plus screams like screaming is probably i would say maybe and i don't have a ton of experience doing this uh but i would say it's maybe one of the hardest aspects of acting to make it sound real and uh not a single bit of this doesn't sound real i think as well like there's one thing you can all we can all agree on is that you know you know when someone's phoning in a death scene or Mm -hmm. isn't doing it as Mm -hmm. well you know whereas like you say coupled with the screaming this is like this is a real death almost yeah It's, Mm -hmm. it's crazy good yeah and even just the way he like goes limp into the water after like everything's said and done. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's mm-hmm. so good in this scene. <laughs> no, I yeah. agree. I to- I'm totally with you on that. Um, I can see why. It's mm-hmm. just wild. Doesn't he start like as well like? Doesn't he start stabbing the mm-hmm. shark a bit? Yeah. Like, it, and it's all, it's almost like, of course, that's not going to do anything. But good try. <laughs> yeah. Bless you. Yeah, you and he's not going down without a fight. Like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I well, I, there's a lot to. <laughs> I'm not even sure where to get started in in talking about this scene. Um, but wanted to pick up on something that that you said early on, uh, Tom, which is that there is something uh, about this scene that could also be quite funny. And mm-hmm. I feel like I need to address this proverbial elephant in the room in case Martin listens to this podcast, and he probably will, and will out me on Twitter for being like, you used to laugh at this scene. So I will say, <laughs> yes, that is a correct ass- that is a correct assessment. I did used to laugh, uh, at least at the, begin- the beginning of this scene, because I don't think it's unfair to say that the way that the shark leaps onto the boat is quite comical. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. hilarious. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's what I was saying before. Like, you know, if you put the poetic license at the forefront, we all know sharks don't jump. Like, right. <laughs> we don't really jump either. Yeah. So, and it's, it's yeah. his little like flabby jowls <laughs> kind of moving around as well. That's quite, that is quite funny. And if you did put the kind of like om nom sounds over it, it would be even funnier. Um, but I'm I sure think... there'll be a clip on YouTube. Where someone's done <laughs> I'm that. sure. Well, have you... I've seen the, Go ahead. the gif of the pizza. Yeah. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I think that it certainly did not get that reaction from, from me today and uh, was talking no. about this briefly off mic. This was the first and only time that I have ever cried at this scene watching it today. I think it's partly just the emotion of watching the film in this way and sort of really honing in on these moments because we've been building up to this for so long. And I've been talking for, for weeks about, you know, this is the saddest I've ever felt leading up to Quint's death. So then when I was actually watching it happen, I did feel really emotional and Hmm. I was like, why did I, why did I ever (laughs) laugh at this scene? It's not funny. Like a major character dies. But I think that because that moment happens sort of at at the start of this scene with, with, you know, the shark jumping onto the boat. And that is funny. If that's what you hold on to, then the rest of the scene kind of remains funny. But I think you just sort of, I don't know, the way I was watching it this time around and the way I've been watching it for for the last few years as well has not been finding that bit funny because I think I've seen it so many Mm. times now I'm just like desensitized to it. I know it's coming. I know the shark's about to leap, so I'm prepared for it. Um, But now it's... 
I just feel that kind of sickening, sad feeling yeah. at, at, at watching this major character die um but an interesting yeah when you said that i was like okay let me just <laughs> let me just put well, this out there so <laughs> i will say as well like you know i think what it doesn't hurt it at all but mm. i think what adds if you if you watch it with that kind of frame of mind what what doesn't help it is that literally the shot before is a shot of a real shark yeah obviously they, mm-hmm. they do the interchange don't they between the bruce and an actual shark and you know that that shark is clearly a great white shark, but it's a thin it's a thin thing, you know. And obviously <laughs> the technology at the time, as it was, uh, just to get it working, obviously it was a fat shark. So you know, te- technologically incredible for its time, and that's how I look at it. But it doesn't help that you've just seen this, you know, actual shark kind of <laughs> swimming towards camera, and then the next thing you see is big old bruce Mm. leaping on um and just kind of flailing about but again i'm with you sarah like you know if you look at it if that's what you hold from that sequence then i don't think you're watching it right (laughs) because (laughs) it's a film of its time i mean how many of those sharks did they have was it three or two was it yeah i don't know three that did different things i think um Yeah, yeah yeah so obviously the technology wasn't all quite there but i think you know, you can get, you can quickly get past it because the drama's there as well. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I will say, just as a bit of a quick uh, claim to fame, I have seen. I was very lucky to have seen one of the original sharks when I went to Universal when I was nice. younger. Nice. And it had all the wires <laughs> pulled out underneath it. <laughs> Did they have it uh, strung up? Like it was like on the dock. Yeah. yeah, I, I, there is a very old picture. I don't know if my mom still has it. Uh, there's an old, old picture of me. My parents took me to Universal when I was like four or five. I don't remember this trip whatsoever. Apparently, I cried. <laughs> I cried at King Kong. Um, but there's a picture of me and my brother next to that same shark at Universal. In- well, actually, no, there's t- there's two. So the one I think you're thinking about, they have all the time, mm. and it is kind of strung up. And it's a photo opportunity mm-hmm. where you can pretend you're getting eaten or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the shark that the uh, they think is Bruce. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the tiger t- shark. The chap's name, the tiger shark. That's the one. But mm-hmm. the one, I, they they don't have it anymore. But they basically used to open the back, the studio back lot up, and they had props mm-hmm. from all mm-hmm. Universal films. So they had like uh, Arnie's bike from Terminator Two and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And one of the props that they had was the original Bruce or one of the original Bruces, and it was all like uh, peeling apart and stuff. Because <laughs> yeah, was, even even in two thousand and two i want to say i went obviously by that point it's nearly 30 years old already Mm. um it's just falling apart so you know but when i looked at it i thought i think in a weird way that made me appreciate this this scene especially more because you just Mm. think yeah sharks might not do that but they managed to somehow get that thing to jump on a boat (laughs) fair play (laughs) yeah this is <clears throat> definitely the Lord of the Flies esque reading into it of no, there's no way they intended this. I think, um, like if we were to ask the filmmakers, they would be like, "That's a lot." Uh, but yeah, you do you. <laughs> I really, really like the way that this final send off for Quint 
kind of illustrates his arc. Um, mm-hmm. By yeah. which I mean, we see him fall, right? Mm-hmm. And he grabs onto the table where he told the Indianapolis speech. And it's like he's holding on to that past trauma. And then the oxygen tank comes in and it crushes his fingers, right? And that, I think we can talk about later, about what that means. But I think we all know what that means. Um, And then he drops and he has to rely on Brody and his support. And it's sort of like, that's what he has to do after he tells them the Indianapolis speech at that table. Um, But also, ultimately, because of his uh, unresolved mental health issues, he... It's it's not enough. It's like he succumbs to it. And that's mm-hmm. when he gets eaten by the shark. I think that's uh intended or not, I think it's really, really like meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it in that way, but that's that's super interesting. And I think from the very first moment we meet Quint and we, we talked about this in, in that great scene when he's introduced at the town meeting what is next to him on on the chalkboard is a a, a drawing of a shark with a a little guy in his mouth Mm -hmm. so (laughs) quince fate has been sort of determined from from the very start uh and we've spoken a lot about about foreshadowing and and you know that that image being next to to quint is just sort of like planting something in your brain and of oh you know him possibly that's you know that's where he ends up in in the jaws of the shark and that is what happens um as well whilst we're going down this uh uh reading too much into these things we can once again pick up our uh quint is jesus thread that oh yeah started yeah, a yeah, yeah. While ago. it's been a minute <laughs> um because uh and someone pointed this out to me like when we started that whole thing when someone was like you look at how he dies at the end and i skipped ahead and i was just like well shit yeah he's Uh, because he yeah he he dies in like the crucifix pose basically his his arms are spread out um and more meaningfully as well not just sort of you know that's that's how he is positioned when he dies but this idea of his death being sacrificial as well um it's it it needed to happen that's why it's foreshadowed from the very first time we meet him uh and we've spoken a lot in in recent weeks about how quint has been on this sort of you know one track uh you know he's he's given up by this point really and and sort of resigned himself to the fact that that he's going down with this ship and that he's not going to make it and um we'll get into talking about his what he's wearing as well because that's related to what we've spoken about before but um sticking with this sort of sacrificial death idea it's it's quint dying that you could argue in some ways motivates brody to Mm. not just go right well that's it let me slide on down this boat and go into the jaws of the shark Mm -hmm. myself uh he's pretty determined even in this scene to not end up there like you see him straining to kind of keep himself um gripping onto something in the boat and quint dying is like he's the last man standing now he's like i have to do something because he thinks hooper is dead as well like everyone who is left Mm -hmm. at this point thinks that hooper is dead Mm -hmm. brody is the last man standing quint is now dead he's got to do something if you know it's uh, 
avenging Quint and avenging Hooper or just, you know, being motivated by seeing seeing what has happened and thinking, well, now I need to be the one to, to take down this shark. Um, and also as well, not that this was in any way intentional, but the when the shark has taken Quint, it does retreat for a very brief moment. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of buys Brody a little bit of time just to kind of collect himself. He finds, you know, finds the weapon, finds the gun that he needs and figures out the the next plan of attack, which is obviously getting to the to the highest point and, and, and being able to take down the shark. Obviously, prior to that, we've got, you know, the shark coming into the orca through the window and uh, <sighs> him putting the tank in his mouth. That's such a great bit. That <laughs> I was about to say, like, I, I haven't I don't have that bit, but that's one of my favorite bits in the whole film. <laughs> so, so good. So good. It's so, uh... It scares the <laughs> shit out of me still to this day. Like it's yeah. just such a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it really is. But yeah, this this idea of of Quint's death being necessary and having to happen mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. order to kind of get Brody into that place that he needs to be in order to to be the guy who takes <clears throat> down the shark, I think is super important. I think there's an awful lot in that, and I think that with what you were saying, MJ, as well in this, you know the sequence of events just in this like 58 seconds alone being Mm -hmm. representative of Quint's like whole arc, I think is very, very interesting. I will say as well, if I may, like there's very few films that I consider perfect. Okay. Mm. We can call, we can throw a masterpiece out a lot and whatever, but I think from a screenplay perspective and like when you hit, you have to hit those beats, I think this is, lawless personally and the only other film i'd say that to is back to the future personally mm-hmm. because i think that is a perfect film through and through and everything works mm-hmm. uh this is exactly the same so just to add a bit to what you were saying like i agree everything you've said about quinn he is for me like he he's doomed from the off yeah um and that's how it's meant to be and that's just the way it is it's as simple as that he's he's this like he's world weary. He's obviously, and then obviously we've had the whole Indianapolis story, and he obviously explains why he'd never wear a life jacket again. But you've got obviously all these things like you know he's talking about how the shark, obviously the sharks never got him, but they were there. You just get this sense of like, oh, this could be building to something, or you know he's going, he's not, he's going down basically. Um, but I always saw him as you know he's that that doomed figure from mm-hmm. the off, and yeah, I think you're right. He's totally sacrificial, but for the, all the right reasons and that's what i'm saying about the when i talk about the screenplay being perfect is that it's a perfect domino effect everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. everything that happens for what could be considered the right reason it could have veered off dramatically in other ways mm-hmm. <laughs> but i just think it's a perfect crescendo to where you get to with brody on the um with the rifle you know yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it really. It's just how everything hits a certain beat at a specific point for a specific reason. It just works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is part of the rewatchability, I think, as well, because everything just works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I would uh, <clears throat> on that perfect list of movies. I would also add that Spielberg has a second one, and that's uh, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's yeah. No, you're right. Uh, 
and he's got a hand in all three of them that I that we've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Whether he, direct, whether <laughs> yeah. he directed it or whether he directed it or didn't, you know, he. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I there might, there's something something in the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would also hear an argument about Jurassic Park being a perfect kind of movie as well. I was yeah, about to sure. say if I was gonna if I was gonna throw another Spielberg in, that's from a from a child perspective. Like I grew like that's all I ever watched when I was little. Yeah. So. Jurassic Park to me is perfect as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you, even some of his, like, I, I, I think people would argue, like, Saving Private Ryan's a perfect war film. I think people would argue that Schindler's mm-hmm. List is kind of a perfect film. Like, the, he's, the, the man's <laughs> batting average is through the roof, at the very least. It, it's stupid, is what I'd say. <laughs> yes. No, it, it's, border, it's borderline rude, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like... Don't get me wrong. He's tr- like recent years. I is uh, not to me. He's not been as good. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say he hasn't been good. You yeah. Know, there's still some films that might say the three out of five and go. Actually, yeah. Even though story wise, it's not great. He still shot the shit out of that way better than any of yeah. anyone else could. Yeah. You know. And it's just it's so funny. So. Like the way Spielberg. Like Spielberg has made so many near perfect or perfect films that uh, if he's a little bit not as good. Everyone's like, oh, that's yeah. kind of a shitty Spielberg, Spielberg movie. But if it was yeah. someone's like first movie, everyone would be heralding them as the next Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're totally, you're totally right. And I think you could say that for anyone these days. You know, yeah, it's the same with someone like who, who else did they hold? Nolan, I guess, or yeah. Fincher. You know, mm. just because someone, because Fincher, I don't know, I can't even think because I love most of Fincher, but you know, like. <laughs> Someone like Nolan, you know, who I'm very up and down with. Yeah, same. He's the same. They hold, they hold him in that such high regard <clears> that <throat> if, you know, I personally don't like The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So, you know, pe- but people will be like, well, I can't believe that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's the thing, right? If The Dark Knight Rises was someone's first movie, it would be an amazing movie. But I feel like yeah. on the heels of The Dark Knight, I was just like, what the fuck? What are we doing here, man? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Also, just to because I'm to keep talking about screenplay. If you read that screenplay, just read it rather than watch it. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, Shambles. yeah. Because yeah. I've always said that to someone. Again, just I'm segueing. I'm very sorry, but sidetracking. But from a film studies perspective, it was somewhat my one of my tutors always said to me: if you can get a hold of a screenplay, get it mm. and read it rather than mm-hmm. watch it. Mm-hmm. It will change your perspective. And I'm like, sure. And I did. And I was like, oh my god. I, I didn't like it. I was okay with The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think it was nearly as good as the other two. Yeah. But yeah, it was all right. And then I read the screenplay and I kept flipping back like, this is just plot hole central. What is going on? <laughs> Nothing adds up. What was he thinking? And then I watched the film again. I'm like, oh my God, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It ruined it. It's but in terms of Jaws. Yeah. In terms of Jaws. You just, to me, it's just a perfect domino effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the the. I mean, just the way it's set up and executed, it's so like, it's so logical. And I know that sounds silly because it seems like it. No, that's but, it. I agree. That, but that's the thing, right? Is like it feels like there is no other way these events could happen, beginning to credits. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. So, like, that's what I'm thinking as well. Like, you know, Hooper was always got to be in uh, under the ocean. Or in the sea, sorry. Uh, Quint always has to die for the boat to start going down, for Brody to be called to action, like you said, uh, Sarah. 
for him to face his fear of water, throw that in there as well. You know, it's it's all these things that have been mentioned or, like you say, foreshadowed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, that was a terrible use of that. Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, all these little tidbits that have been thrown in that to some people would never bring back up. They'd just mm-hmm. literally say them as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah, I'm scared of water. Well, is that going to come back into the film somehow? Some people would not even think to do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it just wouldn't work otherwise. You're absolutely right. Mm. I want to talk about the oxygen tank uh, yeah. <laughs> and I would like to make the case for it being one of the most important props in the whole film yep. up there with the yellow barrels and Bruce himself uh, and the reason <laughs> the reason being that each of these three characters particularly in this back half of the film have interacted with that oxygen tank in various ways and Mm-hmm. We, I think, spoke about that, you know, that really lingering shot on the on the oxygen yeah. tank, I think, when they're, like, preparing... <laughs> is it in the montage? Or it's around that point anyway, where yeah. they, um, they sort of, like, really, really hold on it, and you're like, well, that's going to be important. Uh, but it turns <laughs> out that it, it is, and I think there's... Particularly in this scene, and what happens, and what happens to Quint is something that I that I want to focus on. But But before that, just thinking about it a a bit more broadly obviously the cooper currently has one of the the oxygen tanks strapped to his back because he's underwater uh kicking about (laughs) trying to stay away from from the shark uh and it it obviously becomes very important uh for for brody later as it is what he is able to to chuck in the shark's mouth and then you know shoot and then blow up but in in this bit as well it i think it's very important that that is the thing that rolls over quint's hands and Mm -hmm, makes him lose mm -hmm, his grip mm -hmm. um there's so much significance in this uh and these have been important props from the the moment they started boarding up the you know or, or getting all the stuff ready to put on the orca because Hooper tries to hand it to Quint and Quint sort of, you know, poo-poos it and is like, why do you need all this fancy equipment for? There's then the moment where they're not tied down properly and, and you mm-hmm. know, it almost goes to disaster very, very early on. Uh-huh. Uh, and then obviously Hooper using them to, to be under the water and them coming in at the end uh, in a very important way. But mm-hmm. here, the fact that this is a a thing that is meant to keep you alive and it is the thing that that mm. ultimately it's not the thing that kills Quint, the shark does. But it is the <laughs> thing that sort of uh, you know, we're talking about this domino effect. That is a very important domino in this sequence of events that happens. Mm-hmm. He takes his hand away when it happens, it rolls over his fingers, it must hurt because they look very, very heavy. Um and that then, you know, sets off this this chain of events where Brody then tries to grab onto him but can't get a grip and that's when he slides down and um and and goes into the the mouth of the shark but I kept coming back to Indianapolis uh as we frequently do <laughs> in this uh whenever we're talking about Quint really as that being such a key moment in in his life and Quint talking about then how the most scared he was was when he had the life jacket on mm. The life mm-hmm. jacket, again, something that's meant to save you, keep you afloat. And the tank, 
here, you know, it provides the means to, to breathe underwater yeah. is something that is meant to help you and is meant to aid and is meant to assist. So making that connection again between between the life jacket and between the the oxygen tanks, I think there's something in that as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know your guys' thoughts on it, but I just think there's just there's that little bit of irony, I guess, as well in the the thing no, that I... is meant to help <laughs> is the thing that to... sort of leads to his downfall. So yeah, to me, it's a double-edged sword, and it mm. uh, it it's a tr- I guess it's a trope or a Sorry, not like a narrative device that's used all the time. It's just to bring together what you said, Sarah. It, it's it's both life and death. It yeah. signs his death certificate, or you know, but at the same time, it's what's going to give Brody life because he uses it to obviously kill the shark. So, mm-hmm. but there is it like a, almost a uh, like a not a black comedy aspect to it, but like you say, there is a almost a funny irony to that, you know. He one has to die in order to save the other, and this is how it happens. <laughs> um, that's how I look at it. Right. Well, and and I, I think if we look at it as well as you know, Quint and Hooper are the two extremes that are presented in the film, and Brody is the middle character. He's like truly kind of neutral in this technology versus the old ways of the sea type of of <clears throat> fishing, and he's the one who ultimately has to bring that together. By using the technology and the gun, like the technology from Hooper and the gun from Quint, to sort of make those things meet in the middle to bring back, you know, the status quo. Um, So with Quint, he's hanging on to the table, right? He's attached to his vessel. It's like the last vestiges of his ideology. And then it is crushed by what hooper has brought to the table not that once again not that hooper has signed his death certificate necessarily but quince kind of like lack of this sounds more cynical than i mean it his lack of willing to meet hooper in the middle until the last minute is kind is represented in that as well Hmm. absolutely wow i totally agree When I tell you, my tiny little mind uh, just split into pieces <laughs> thinking about that uh, because you're completely right, MJ. The the way that the shark is eventually defeated is all three of them are somehow involved in this. Mm-hmm. I think as well that the gun that Brody uses is Quint's gun. Yeah. I don't think it's his because he's got yeah, a handgun, hasn't he? And it's, yeah. So it's Quint's rifle. And then it's the 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 tank that came from that is Hooper. that is Hooper's yeah and then Brody is the one who fires the shot what yeah. a film what a masterpiece yeah I... <laughs> yeah this is, this is what I mean by a flawless screenplay is that you've got to look really into the into the little bits like this Eesh. otherwise yeah. it, it's one thing to read it as it is on the surface no pun intended uh, <laughs> and it's another th- but it's another thing to like really read the little intricacies and it's it's shit like sorry it's shit like this that just makes me want to just throw down my drink and go for god's sake you're a bloody genius there's just there's just no there's just because i think about it i've tried to write screenplays before and it's fun but like i ain't on that level Mm -hmm. i can't ever think to myself oh yeah i'm just going to do this quick 58 second pay because to me the way i got taught or shown is that basically every page is a minute Mm. roughly 
So what we're saying yeah. right now is this sequence that we're discussing is a page. Yeah. Bullshit <laughs> is what I'd say to that. How how can how can someone condense this into a page? It's phenomenal. It's ridiculous. It's oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate I hate to love him, <laughs> or I love to hate him. Should I say like it's just so well done? It hurts. Uh yeah. Um I you know I don't think you can talk about um this is somewhat goes hand in hand, um but really in this scene I don't think you can talk about Jaws or the success of it without uh. One of one of the men, the myth, the legends who has worked on this thing, Joe Alves, and mm-hmm. the my man's was working overtime in this scene. Ah, <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> we have just looking at the debris that we see in this sequence. One, we have the oxygen tank connecting him to the table. Two, we have, we can see the corner when he's hanging onto the table. We can see the corner of the seat um, where they were all sitting. And uh, for the first time ever, I've noticed that that is red leather or red faux leather, probably. (laughs) Probably vinyl. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, they were literally sitting on a red object when Quint's hand goes down to catch Brody. Uh right next to their hands kind of trying to grasp for each other. There's a can of Gansett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when we see Brody, uh, oh gosh. When we see the shot looking up at Brody as he's losing grip um, with Quint, or after he's, like when he, when he slides down and saves himself mm-hmm. on, the, uh, on the, the, the door jam, there's a life jacket behind him. Um, as Quint is getting eaten by, uh, the shark, the cans, his canned food is sprawled all across there and the cans are like red Campbell soup cans and like yellow canned vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. The prop work in this scene is. Oh my God. There's unreal. a life jacket right behind Quint too. <laughs> <laughs> I just awesome. noticed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things incredible. you feel like Grandpa Simpson just raising your fist to the air. Like, <laughs> how could you be this clever? Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, I I think as well. Like the way way back when when we're sort of like the early first scenes on the Orca, we're talking about like how unorganized and how chaotic it is. And that sort of all comes into into play in this scene because there is stuff flying everywhere. And y- you have to think that, you know, if that stuff had been <laughs> better organised, if things had been strapped down as they should have been, if it hadn't have been so cluttered that, you know, I mean, I think this still would have happened. I think we're establishing that Quint's death is, is an inevitability, whichever way you look at it. But I like that this moment is effectively a smorgasbord of all the important props colors items that we've seen like throughout this film and they're just kind of all there it's so Mm -hmm. great i'm very glad you brought this up mj because i my notes are quite unhinged this week (laughs) um so part of my notes uh under the heading the orca 
is just me listing all the stuff that I can see that we've spoken about before. Mm. And you mentioned all of them, so saved me a job. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've just had a thought. And we're going to need a bigger boat. That's an improvised line, am I right? Uh, I don't know. Supposedly, yeah. yeah. Supposedly, right. Okay, so whether it was in the <laughs> screenplay or not, like, that's almost kind of ironic in a way as well. Because, yeah, you're going to need a bigger boat. You, that boat chasing sharks just seems daft. <laughs> But in this sequence, imagine if you had a bigger boat, you'd be fine. Well, I don't. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't yeah. know if there's a bit of an irony to that line. Obviously, I mean, yeah, he ain't wrong when he says it. <laughs> no, that's it. No, there's like the literal thing of yeah, you're right. You need a bigger boat. Well, but then there's also like this irony to it where like there's this big fat shark that just pummels the shit out of this boat but at the same time quint has definitely been on a bigger boat and it did not help that is a good point i guess there is that i never thought about that (laughs) yeah but did that that didn't get attacked by sharks yeah they got attacked by sharks didn't they Mm. yeah they were bombed and then got attacked by sharks yeah The, the, the the vessel itself was not beset upon by sharks at least yeah, could you imagine Sharknado before Sharknado? Like... <laughs> Sharkpedo? Like short, Sharkpedo? Oh my god. Wait, that Someone should right totally make. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Yeah. Whether or not... Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, So uh, before you actually made that point, I was about, someone should totally make that movie, and then I thought, wait, no, yep. don't do that. <laughs> my brain immediately went to, oh, there's the episode title. Oh, no, it, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it isn't. No, no. no. Retract. Cut that. Uh, <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> Honestly. Nothing, uh, nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah. You didn't hear any of that. Before I speak. I'll cover that bit up with me reading chapter three of Moby Dick. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any uh, any snafu now is now covered up with Moby Dick. <laughs> Can I just ask something as well? And this is... Was this Robert Shaw's... Or one of his last films. Because mm. I know it wasn't long after this that he passed away. Yeah. Oh wow, seventy-eight. I didn't realize it was that. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was. He was only like fifty. I want to say so. Yeah. He, bless him. He had a bit of a bad paper round. If he was only fifty when he died, he would have been what forty-seven here. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Mm. Uh, yeah. He. He. Oh well, he was a writer on that. Um. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It looks like he's got nine more credits, but one of them was just as a writer. Oh, so he actually. Oh, right. It just got me thinking because I'm like, what a way to go out, I guess. Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, I would say yes. it's probably the thing that capped his career for most people. He had the deep come out two years later. Yeah. Yeah, and I think obviously at that point he would have probably been typecast, wouldn't he? Yeah. I mean, had he stayed, had he stayed alive, you know, who knows what he, he would have probably done many a, you know, many a sea voyage film. <laughs> yeah. Is he basically the same character in that? I've never seen it. Uh, I haven't seen it. Yes. <laughs> Kinda. Uh, <laughs> we will watch it at some point. It's. Yes. Is the same Nick but Nol- different. Nick Nolte in it. Yeah. 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 Very seventies. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh... <laughs> oh, Louis Gossett Jr. is in like... it too, uh, and he's he's in Jaws three. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. there you go. There's your link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just got me thinking because obviously, like my my um, 
my knowledge of Robert Shaw is very much Jaws, and then I'm a big Bond fan, and obviously yeah. he was in Russia with yeah. Love. But he did. He didn't really say much in that. He was just. He was the goon. Yeah, so. yeah. He's. He was a good. He was a, silent. He was a good lackey. Don't get me mm. wrong. I think he is mostly. Yeah. But I've just never really delved into any of his back catalogue. You see, so yeah. it just got me thinking all of a sudden. I mean, same. Uh, that and the Sting. Those are like the three things I associate with him. Yes, I have seen that. Apologies. Yeah, the Sting. Ugh, yeah, I love the Sting. I should. Sting, <laughs> the Sting's great. I should probably see a man for all seasons. Yeah, I've been slowly working my way through the filmography of uh, of the three of them. I've seen the most, to the surprise of no one, I've seen the most Roy Scheider films. Yeah, um, same. Oh, he's a... <laughs> but that's because I was making a, an effort to watch them all. But yeah, I didn't know he was in the know, taking actually, of Richard Dreyfus. What's up? Uh, sorry, I was just thinking to myself, like I've probably watched a lot of Richard Dreyfus. Oh, yeah. Well, he pops up. He popped up a lot, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a Spielberg film that he didn't involve him in somewhere, sometime. Mm. But, but yeah, they're probably definitely Roy Scheider. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Robert Shaw's in The Taking of Pelham 123. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. He's very good in it. I did not yeah. know that. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I need to see it. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> I have had to include it on two of my lists I've been writing recently so i <laughs> i watched it quite recently he's very very good in it um is he the same character no <laughs> a <laughs> little, little different little different um but <laughs> it is hard for me to see like particularly in the deep i think because it's also peter benchley and yeah it's oh is uh, it yeah yeah and, yeah, and, and like sea related about there's the creature in it as well it's not a shark it's nowhere near as scary um but yeah, it's it's hard for me to to sometimes see him as anyone other than Quint, even though he he plays very obviously you know it, for the most part plays very different characters and is a really good character actor as well. Like he mm-hmm. is incredible in everything that that I've seen him in, but it is hard for like with any of the main three to just for me to associate with them them with anything other than Jaws just because of how many times I've seen it um but yeah I actually while we're talking about Robert Shaw we can talk more about how great he is in this scene because um yeah you mentioned it earlier MJ but there's just so much I want to say about this mm-hmm. performance um he does some really great face acting as well mm-hmm. um in in this bit mm-hmm. and it's it's incredibly jarring uh, to see Quint look so terrified. And I think that's what made me so emotional watching it this time around, as well as it being, this is now the last time that we that we see Quint. I'm going to try really hard not to cry on a podcast because I feel that will be embarrassing. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, Quint has been, for, for the whole film, he's been this, you know, uh, epitome of, of of masculinity this this good old boy stoicism the stiff upper lip uh sort of taking taking things on the chin and just and getting the job done like that has been quint that's been his attitude so to see him in this bit so vulnerable so terrified i think just really really hit me very very hard this this time around and that scream i know we mentioned it earlier but i've i've got to bring it up again mm-hmm. the 
the prolonged screaming mm. and i don't know if yeah. it's just my i don't know if it's just my ears or how i heard it today but it sounds and i mean this as a compliment it's gonna sound strange but it sounds like a baby's crying yeah it is no, that right. real kind of like i'm gonna do a bad like well i'm not gonna do an impression <laughs> it's that kind of like wow please crying. do <laughs> wow <laughs> like it is <laughs> it is it is that kind of cry it's just mm-hmm. and that may, that got me again as well because i was like wow this strong stoic character that, that we've known and loved throughout this film he is now like screaming and crying in terror like a baby. And there's something that's so, it's just such a gut punch moment. And that's before we even get to to the blood and the gore and, and everything, mm-hmm. which I imagine we're going to talk more about as well. But it's the way he is like thrown about like a ragdoll as well in that, yeah. in that shark's mouth. He just, yep. this isn't the the character of, of Quint that we're used to seeing in the film. And it's just so heartbreaking to watch i'm now like i'm an absolute monster i don't know why i ever laughed watching this <laughs> scene because it's so sad uh it's so traumatic watching him react in this way watching yeah. him scream in terror you know like a baby it's just oh yeah I, I, I think <laughs> go ahead Tom. i think like you know a couple of things there so like the sound design is insane in that that little secret that little sequence within a sequence those those few seconds because it's clearly amplified in such a way to not ex- almost exaggerate it in mm. the sense not not in a silly way but in the way that you know like it's 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 ear piercing it's it's truly awful um yeah. but also uh where was i going with this i just thought of something else uh <coughs> it was it was kind of like you know Whoever, I think that was it. Sorry, I don't know if it's true, but there was a story that I heard whilst checking this out, and I think Spielberg mentioned it. I don't know if it's specifically to do with this sequence, but uh, there was a famous bit where I think I think it was to do with this scene where obviously the ship's going down, and they had an issue where the ship was going down too much, <laughs> and uh, because Robert Shaw had been giving such a good performance, dying, uh, the sound guys were going down with the ship. And apparently everyone was shouting, you know, save everyone. And Spielberg shouted, fuck the actors, save the sound department. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. because he was just like, no, whatever you do, save the tape, because that is ridiculously good. Yeah. You know, and... Well, and also the actors can swim. Saying, <laughs> the sound equipment cannot. <laughs> Correct. But specifically, like, you know, so the the sound design is just impeccable for me. And then what you were saying kind of like about him reverting back to that you know childlike you know at the end of the day like you say he's getting pulled around like a ragdoll that that is how we know sharks behave but when you've watched it in a film like this obviously for the first portion say first 50 minutes or whatever i I can't obviously you guys will know it better you don't see bruce do you you don't see him Mm -hmm. he's all in the shadows it's from his point of view uh that's where all the horror and the tension and the anxiety comes from and even when you see him you still think, oh, it's a plastic shark, or you know, oh, oh, the shark's here. Really now, does it? It only really now does it properly solidify the fact that, oh my god, this is actually what a shark will do to someone because it's your main character, and that's how I look at it. It's like all these terrifying kills, obviously, kid, the kid, that's awful. 
but you know it's not your main character is it you feel differently mm-hmm. towards it mm-hmm. or at least i do it's horrible it's horrific but it's a narrative device to propel the story mm-hmm. but when it's your main character and you see him literally like as soon as he's gone he's gone even before he's in the shark's mouth you know he's dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh it's just that spielberg is like yeah let's just linger on this for a little while shall we <laughs> Um, and like you say, the, I think the bragging around for me is just, ugh, I don't like the oh shit at the best of times. <laughs> and funnily enough, I will say Jaws contributed a lot to that. I know they say you'll never go in the water again. I don't like it because of salt water and it's too cold. And that's because we're, and that's because we're from England. But <laughs> also I am terrified of sharks. They're cool to look at, but I am terrified of them. Yeah, there's uh, there's no in between with sharks. I feel like I feel like if, with with diehard Jaws fans, you either want to totally keep your distance from them or you want to pet them, and that's those are the only two options. Yeah, I met uh, I met a crazy well, I say a crazy person, someone in in the queue. Oh no, sorry. The so the Jaws thing is still there at Universal, mm-hmm. and there was someone getting a photo before me. I think. And I could hear them talking to whoever they were with. And they were just like, oh my God, I just really want to... She genuinely said, I just really want to stroke a shark. And I was like, okay, that's not really a sane, a sane thing to say. I think Sarah and I are both because... in that camp. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you... I mean, the closest I've got is that, like I've stroked like a stingray or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's it's flat. It can't get me. Oh, that's you know what, what Steve I mean? Irwin thought. Uh, yeah well ooh, dark joke <laughs> ooh. we go there <laughs> uh, oh dude my humor is so dark and black it's ridiculous i'm surprised i haven't pulled a right banger out <laughs> anyway so, sorry um but you know what i mean like it's just it, you're right it's interesting what people think of sharks mm. because i know i've read into them i know that 95 percent of the time the the board of humans they don't attack yeah. you just to attack mm. you yeah they think you are a seal like they did in the that is obviously the kidna thing is very accurate yeah you know it's <clears throat> thinks he's a seal or a prey or something like that yeah so i mean even with that even with that even with that in mind though this bit oh horrible <laughs> yeah so uh not like not to make light of this or make it be like feel like it's jaws because a man did die but um so i'm from i'm from <laughs> california in the united states uh, originally And um, I'm from two hours away from a place called Morro Bay, California. Uh, So, which is right near, um, oh, what's the name of that beach? Okay, I gotta go. Hey, there's a lot of beaches in California. Um, (laughs) Now I've just got the OC theme in my head, but that's a very, that's a very stereotypical English. Yeah, that's further north than where I'm thinking of. Uh, It's not Pismo. Avila. That's what it is. Uh, Avila Beach. I don't know why I forgot that. Uh, sorry, any people listening in California. So, um, the beach that's closest to where I grew up, I didn't. I grew up pretty inland, but there was a beach about two hours away, uh, basically any direction you went to, but people from my town went specifically to the Central Coast, so that was like San Luis Obispo, California, Morro Bay, California, Pismo, California, sometimes Santa Barbara. That's about as far south as we would go if we wanted to go to the beach for a beach day. But in between Pismo uh-huh. and Morro Bay, there's a place called Avila. I don't go in the water regularly. I just don't really like the water that much. Uh, I will not go mm-hmm. into the water at Avila because there have been 
countless great white sightings off the coast of Avila. Every time I've had to, Avila makes me really uncomfortable. I don't like going to Avila because I just look out and see people in the water. I'm like, there are sharks like for years. (laughs) Um, They've been reporting sharks in Avila. So in Morro Bay, which is just north, I think uh, it's some direction. It's north or south. Um, It's one of those two. Uh, A man on Christmas Eve this last year was attacked and killed by a great white in Morro Bay, uh, which is super rare. But the the thing that really like creeped me out about it, it caught him by the head. And like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, God. Yeah. So it, 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 uh, you know, most shark attacks that we hear about, it catches people with their, from their limbs first, right? Like yeah. their arm or their, their, their leg, like, cause it's flailing in the water. So just like thinking about like, cause he was bodyboarding on Christmas Eve. I don't know why the hell you do that in Morro Bay. The water is not warm. Um, it is, it is very <laughs> choppy water around that time of year. So I was surprised to even hear he was out there, but, uh. Yeah, I don't. I like. I did it. Just wash the 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 tide. Just catch him the right way to like kind of guide him right into the shark's mouth because that seems highly unusual based on what I know of shark yeah. behavior and how they attack and when they, which is rare, when they attack human beings. Um, how awful is it that the last thing you see in life is a shark's mouth? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like like like. Like you say, they attack limbs normally. Yeah. But the fact that, oh, yeah. And we know as well, like, how razor sharp their teeth are. Yeah. So that poor dude, man. Yeah. Oh they, God. yeah, it's, uh, uh, they, so it happened on Christmas Eve. They just, at the time of us recording this, last week released the autopsy. And it, I mean, it reads like the Chrissy Watkins autopsy. It was like, you know, this <laughs> was no boating accident and it wasn't Jack the Ripper. Like, it, it's brutal. One of the bites, it, he got bit three times, which is, also crazy to me uh they said one of the bites was 16 inches in diameter uh which oh my uh, god yeah uh which is 40 centimeters uh for those of you on the metric system oh yeah i was about to say can someone convert yeah (laughs) yeah 40.64 centimeters across was jesus yeah that's massive (laughs) so that that, that's basically longer than your standard ruler then yes yeah yeah that's uh yeah that's like a ruler and a half almost so to sum up what i was what we were saying about the sea fuck that (laughs) yeah it is pretty interesting they they found it they found a tooth in one of the bites and they were able to dna test it and confirm that it was a great white uh which is like interesting it sucks that that guy died but it's you know yeah. the, the, the science behind it is actually really fascinating i'm sure jack uh has heard all about it and, and mm. you know if he would like to contribute uh he probably knows way more about it than we do <laughs> um <laughs> there's something else interesting oh uh 16 feet they they determined it was probably a 16 foot great white shark which is fucking Whoa. huge <laughs> that's bruce yeah yeah right <laughs> That's that. I yeah. I mean, that was one of the other things about Jaws is that I always thought to myself is that there's no way a shark is surely that big. And I know again they probably exaggerated it to scare people, which is fair enough. But um, yeah, that's a big, that's a big shark. That's yeah, uh four point eight <laughs> meters. Uh, is what we're talking about. Yeah, forget that. 
why am I still like I would pet a shark if I had the opportunity? <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's just no need for it. I'm sorry, but like the way I look at it is that you know I'm fascinated by what scares me, so I am yeah. ridiculously arachnophobic. It's my main mm. phobia in life. I don't really have many others. Uh, I don't like the sea, but it's not a phobia. I'll go in it just to a certain point. Um, spiders terrify the hell out of me. I see, you know, I freeze up. I start immediately crying, which I rarely <laughs> do. You know, it's just a very horrible thing for me. Yeah. But they fascinate. But they fascinate mm. me. And it's, it's, I don't have a phobia of sharks, but I'm very scared of mm. them. So I'll happily look at them when they're in like an aquarium. I think they're fascinating. They're very cool. They're awesome, really. But I'm away from it. You know, it can't get me. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if I if I'm on a small boat or something like that, you can forget about it, you know. <laughs> and as I'm I'm I feel lucky that I live in England in some respects because the water's too cold. I know we've had very rare shark occurrences, but mm. you know, it's too cold for them. <laughs> but as soon as I know I'm in like I'm abroad or wherever and I know the water's warmish, you know. I'm yeah, no, just keep me on the beach, please. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, because I can't I can't deal with that. <laughs> I was DMing with um, a listener of the show. Uh, I won't use their name, but we were talking about the shark attack and they said that they were in Mexico and they were swimming. They were chest deep in the water and a baby bull shark bumped them on the chest. And uh, they were like, I have never moved faster in my life. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, like I would. uh I definitely, the circumstances under which I would pet a shark would be under extreme supervision by experts and not as a surprise. Because if there were a surprise <laughs> shark, I would be out of there immediately. Yeah, no one wants the surprise shark. Uh, <laughs> although when you said it like bumped into her, I was thinking of the Snoop Doop that we talked about from uh when, the, when yeah. the shark bumps into the cave. I'm just trying to make it cute. I'm still yeah. determined. <laughs> well, and I think it reminded me of um, swimming, playing with sharks when Ron and Valerie Taylor found out that the the sharks they were swimming with that it, at the time weren't great whites in the footage that they show in the movie. I think they were bull sharks maybe, but they, yeah, that's right. they will boop before they bite. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they just found out, you know, if they if they smack them hard enough back, they'll leave them alone um, as a retaliation. Uh, but that did mean that isn't that what they say to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Like if you do get attacked by a shark, don't they say to just try and kick it? Yeah. Yeah. And that did mean <laughs> that the the shark that this listener encountered uh, was scoping them out to see if they were a snack, um, which is <laughs> terrifying to think about. I mean, I guess like slightly bringing it bringing it back to this moment. I don't really think Quint in this moment has has got long to think about it, but he does lash out and uh-huh. he is trying to like with his legs mm-hmm. as well initially like trying to kick the the shark. Mm-hmm. So this is not a man who has you know no experience with sharks whatsoever. I mean, we've seen he is very successful at catching sharks. Mm-hmm. He has all of those 
Jaws in in his cabin and is you know all all the equipment and the know-how of the with the barrels and how many are needed and he's clearly very knowledgeable i mean he has not been you know sliding feet first towards a shark before but he has been sort of up close with them so he does know what he's doing and i don't know part of that knowing he's like trying to defend himself a little bit just makes me even sadder because it's not he doesn't just go right that's it i'm dying and heads into the you know the jaws of the shark he is trying to fight back it's just that he he can't at this point or you know the the shark is is so big and is so powerful and and he's already weakened at this point anyway that you know the death as we've said is is an inevitability but how freaking badass is it though that he like still is trying to stab that shark with the machete and we spoke about the the that great shot of the machete when it's like stuck into the side of the boat and there's another great bit when quint has it sort of like raised above him as well so again like a weapon that we've seen before and that great lingering shot of it stuck in the side of the boat is a little more subtle than the the lingering shot of the of the oxygen tanks but it is that this is going to be important (laughs) kind of shot um setting us up to to keep an eye out for for it later and he does the the machete does make contact with the shark he sort of stabs it in like the the side of the face and and draws blood as well so he is he's not going down without a fight even though we spoke about how terrified he sounds and this awful ear piercing scream uh, and the look of terror on his face he's still fighting back at this point and i think well i mean it it, it speaks to the strength of of quint as a character but also just this this not wanting to not wanting to give up and even though i think he knows what is about to happen and maybe he's not even thinking of himself maybe he's thinking i can weaken this shark enough so that it's not going to go for brody because hooper is is not in the equation at this point they both think that hooper is dead but quint being the kind of the guy that he is and and with the sort of army background as well or, or naval background is thinking about the you know his his comrades his his friends his uh you know uh fellow men or whatever that are that are on board this vessel so the way that he's lashing out that shark is perhaps not kind of i'm gonna kill this shark it's like let me at least weaken it mm-hmm. enough so that brody has got a chance and again that sort of feeds into the um this idea of quint's death being a sort of a, a sacrificial moment as well um yeah a lot yeah. <laughs> so much <laughs> in just a death scene so much to talk about yeah um i just have one final point which we, has already been talked about by tom but i would be remiss not to talk about <clears throat> the sound design here uh it's so good it's so good uh <laughs> crunch yeah oh my gosh that crunch that crunch, crunch is, is amazing haunting it is mm-hmm. the single best worst sound design i've ever heard like it <laughs> it every time it grosses me out like it really yeah. gets gets under my skin like i i don't like it but it's genius you know what i mean like it it is <laughs> it had its intended yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean totally totally execute uh, executed perfectly um 
and then the the gurgling blood and water is so gross. It's so the scene is so gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was saying about censorship. Yeah. Like, there's so many aspects yeah. of it that you think even in the seventies, like, how did it pass some of it? Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's like, there are horror movies. Like, I there's I would say most of the stuff I've seen, and I haven't seen all of the Saw movies. Most of the stuff I have seen in the Saw movies I have seen does not affect me the way this scene still does even now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, the Saw movies, like, you know, they are what they right. are. There's not much to them. Right. Whereas this has got a lot riding on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. at least it feels that way. It's the it's the emotional weight behind this mm-hmm. scene as, as much as anything, I think, that that makes it so visceral and... In the grand scheme of things, there aren't that many really bloody, gory moments in Jaws. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we could count them all on one hand, like how many how many there are. And that makes them more effective in a way. And I think this being unquestionably the, the, the goriest, bloodiest moment of them all, and then with that emotional weight behind it as well of it being one of our core three, like one of our main characters that is dying, I think just it heightens everything, doesn't it? It yeah. makes that crunch sound louder. It it's, makes the it's blood not gra- look redder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not gratuitous. Well, it is gratuitous, but like for a mm-hmm, reason. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those, sure, which is, yeah. I think what I was trying to say when you mentioned the Saw films is that, you know, I don't mind some of those films. Don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. horror, but, you know, like they are gratuitous for the sake of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's some, f- can be some fun had in that. Yeah. But this is like, there's a reason behind this, you know, and like Sarah just said, it just adds to it. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Is it's, it's, yeah, we've talked about the film. The film draws heavily and inspired heavily many slasher films. Uh, and I think the big difference here is, right, if I sign up for Friday the 13th, the deal I am making with the film is there are teenagers, I want to see them brutally murdered. Like that—that that is, for yeah, better or worse, the intent I have going to see this film. Yeah. When I watch Jaws, I don't want to see Quint get murdered. I know that he will. Um, I know that it's inevitable, but it sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing you can do yeah. about it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but like if I w- go watch Friday the Thirteenth, like I'm just like hell yeah, Tom Savini, he's the real hero of the movie, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> it that switches a little bit in in Jaws too. I I'm Team Shark in that. I want all of those kids to get mad because those kids are annoying <laughs> as shit. Yeah, they're so annoying. The more the more the Jaws franchise. I mean, we're gonna talk in depth about the yeah. the sequels at some point, but. Uh, the more it goes on, the more I become Team Shark. Like yeah. I, especially in the second <laughs> one, like when it's going around just like chomping on those teenagers, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I think it 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 lacks the. I like Jaws too, but it, it certainly lacks the the nuances of of Jaws. You know, where we wouldn't be able to do minute by minute breakdown of that there just isn't the same level of stuff to to dissect in those sequels as as there is in this but it they they become more like i mean i know we've talked about so much about how jaws uh, is a slasher film but it's it it leans much more into that kind of formulaic 
idea of a slasher film i think as the as the sequels go on particularly yeah. in it's two a, it became it, it became a product much like the yeah the friday 13th yeah. sequels nightmare on elm street although dream warriors dream warriors is so good but, uh, yeah yeah i agree it's probably <laughs> yeah, my favorite from hand on heart but like like jason is oh sorry not J- i've already mentioned jason but you know like they all just became the thing to do yeah. didn't they freddy i was gonna say but like you know just yeah they just became a product at the time and it was just easy to do them then am i right in thinking the third jaws is 3d yeah so, yeah you know get get on that <laughs> <Kinda>. hype and <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah and then you know so it it was the thing to do but they didn't have any like the emotional weight of this one Mm, yeah mm-hmm. i will say i could do an entire yeah. podcast on the line anybody want to play charades from jaws 2 <laughs> <laughs> i could do an entire uh podcast on the decoration that Brady has outside <laughs> of his house so uh, wild <laughs> <laughs> i cannot wait i cannot wait to talk about that uh that is <laughs> a, a podcast for another time yeah. <clears throat> um I, I did have something else in my notes. I hope this isn't going to take too long because I know we're, we're conscious of time. But I did want to talk very, very briefly about Quint's costume, um, what he's wearing. I just think it's, it's important to note what he is wearing when he dies because we've spoken quite a bit about this. Uh, Quint has his sort of two, his two looks. Uh, mm. <laughs> He doesn't have a, a large wardrobe. I think he wears the same blue shirt for the pretty much the whole back yeah. half of the film. But he then either has the bandana on, uh, which is usually his sort of we're, we're going to war mode, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like when they're really locked in those battles with the shark and he, he puts it on again when they're sort of getting the cage, getting the cage ready for Hooper. It's, you know, this sort of ready to ready to do battle with the shark again. And there's also the the sort of the other the other quint outfit uh is i've put it in my notes as cap and quint uh like yeah. <laughs> oops like all sharks um <laughs> yeah cap and quint uh is when i would eat that soup just as a side note <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> when he has uh he has the hat on and he has his jacket on and that is like his i'm the captain now uh outfit um and he puts he puts that on when he throws the life jackets to the to the other two as well as this sort of like i'm gonna go down with the ship and i'm gonna go down with my 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 captain's outfit on in this Mm -hmm. uh combination of the two right he's wearing the the jacket and the the bandana um i just thought that was interesting because i don't know if we've necessarily seen that combination before and it's this sort of he's partly still suited up and ready for war and partly also just resigning himself to to his fate and that he is you know the captain going down with with the ship i just thought that's um an interesting an interesting thing to note that again absolutely reading far too much into oh my goodness the internet has not disappointed <laughs> uh with captain quint <laughs> Google's... i knew it had to exist can i can i buy that on a t-shirt <laughs> is my question <laughs> because i will uh, oh my god it's got little marshmallow cereal. yellow barrels <laughs> there oh is a jewel cereal that exists yeah. uh in the uk yeah. but it is not that and they've really missed a trick uh by not making that a real thing yeah come on uh, funko anyway <laughs> come on come on funko um yeah any i 
bringing this back. Any thoughts on like the, yeah, outfit, costume, the, what I'm saying makes sense? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, go um, ahead, Tom. Yeah, you go first. I was just thinking myself, but go for it. Um, I think it is. You know, we've talked about the the Vietnam connection, right? And uh, yeah, and also the 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 PTSD connection and this is the outfit for both right like captain captain quint um with his jacket on is the 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 one suffering from long untreated ptsd um that leads to soldier quint you know relying on those more primal basic instincts uh more than he already does you know i can't think of a less practical weapon to wield on a boat where you're fishing than a machete um (laughs) it's not a blunt object uh it's it's not really you know unless you're you're that thing is super sharp it's not really going to do much especially when you're sharking i feel like um because they have some thick skin uh so that i i that feels like a very like militaristic trait that he has um but yeah i mean he he's he's going gentle into that good night as both because he is both mm-hmm. yeah no i'd agree with everything on that i yeah it's just yeah <laughs> i haven't got anything else to add <laughs> yeah i think i the, i just uh deleted that part of my notes uh but i think what i said is that it's you know it's representative of of both sides of quint isn't it he is both of those things he is yeah. the the you know the the naval guy that's that's his past uh and he is the you know the captain of this ship he is both that's why we see him kind of go between between those two outfits so him dying in this way is like those those two things coming together like the like so much of this this scene is is foretold earlier in the film but is also you know as you were saying much earlier mj just the the way that the sequence of events in in this scene it just feels like the only way this could have this could have ever gone, and I just I have to just kind of like stand back and look at this scene and applaud it for being executed so perfectly. Pun intended. Because I think it could have, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could have gone the way of it of it seeming, you know, really gratuitous and and unnecessary, mm-hmm. or you know that screaming ending up being comical but i I don't it doesn't get to that place like for me at all it's just it's pure terror uh that that we're getting in this scene and i think my final final point uh (laughs) before we check if anyone else has got uh, anything to add is that silence that comes after the the screaming in terror and and the shark sort of does does drag quint down that silence is so impactful and it's mm-hmm. really reminiscent of Chrissy's death as well. Like, remember we talked about how intense the screaming from Chrissy is in that scene. Like she is yelling, like, you know, help me, help me. It hurts. Like she says at one point. And then there's silence, like when the shark like drags her under. So it's this weird, like full circle moment as well between the, the first death that we see and the, the last death that we see, which is, which is Quint, a human death that is anyway. Obviously, we still see the shark die. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that that was really impactful. And also, yeah, like I said, that that great full circle moment taking us back to where the film started as well. Um, wow, I could honestly talk about this scene for 
a, a whole other hour probably, yep. but uh, I know we can't do that. Um, Tom, uh, MJ, did you have anything else in, in your notes or anything else that you wanted to mention in this scene? My only thing I was going to say uh, was that it's a different death for this character than it is in the book. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert for those who haven't read the book, <laughs> but he uh, he actually drowns in mm-hmm. the book. He he gets his, if I'm right in remembering, because I have read the book, but he harpoons the shark and he gets caught up in the ropes of one of the barrels and it drags him underwater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it, it probably wouldn't have worked as well in the film. Yeah, this is much more of a movie death, <clears throat> isn't it? It's much more impactful. Yeah, there is that aspect. It is very much a dramatic. More, it's more dr- dramatic. Yeah. Um, and it, but I think it genuinely works better than that. I think that's just a bit of a. It, it's not much to that one, I don't think. Yeah. But other than that, that's everything I have. I think it's kind of a dumb way <laughs> for him to go out. Honestly, like he's this super capable, you know, fisherman and 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 captain and he just gets taken out like that it's so i don't know it yeah it's really this one's like i think yeah total captain going down with his ship moment this one whereas that one's just there yeah okay further evidence the book sucks compared to the film Uh, (laughs) that's the note i'm gonna leave it on uh my final (laughs) word um tom it's been so great having you on uh really looking forward to having you on and what a great bit to talk about yeah. as well yeah i struck i struck um, gold there yeah you 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 did uh this was a popular a popular request as well for this scene so uh you were the you were the first one so you you, you got a good one uh, uh, i feel privileged thank you <laughs> of course um yeah do you want to let people know where they can where they can find you on on twitter and elsewhere and if you've got anything that you would like to plug as well Oh, excellent. Well, it's Inglorious Toward, and it's spelled the right way, not the Tarantino way. <laughs> um, I could have gone with that, but I didn't. And then the only other plug, if you like Lost, the TV series, which I do a great deal, and many don't, but I do, <laughs> um, I have a podcast that I'm currently recording called Lost in the oh, Lockdown. No shit. I know we're no longer in a lockdown, but that's the name I was sticking to it. <laughs> you can find us at Lost Podcast UK if you wish to join us on twitter <clears throat> followers we are doing weekly episodes and we are currently uh, about to start recording our reviews of season three so uh, yeah, that's where you can find me slide in my dms i want a guest on that <laughs> when we have guests i'll hit you yeah. up we've we've not quite got to that yet but we we're not very well we are very structured we're very structured but we very much start when we get going we're like, we just really want to talk about it. And obviously we got to the back end of, we're doing the season two finale tomorrow. And then we're going into season <sighs> the season two finale. So good. It's the best, <laughs> man. I agree. I love it. I love it. Um, so good. But yeah, so yeah. Also, I'm on Instagram exactly the same in Glorious Toward. I don't really change my user tag. So <laughs> that's me. I also echo the request if you ever consider guests. Uh, <laughs> I also oh, have I, have I struck uh, two lost fans? Wow! <laughs> yeah, yep, uh, all two. Of I us. usually get the whole thing, but weren't they dead <laughs> already? And why is the polar bears? And I'm like, both things get answered, and I swear to God, I will slap you. <laughs> I uh, like, I'm... go ahead, oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> the, the the polar bear thing, man. They totally answer the polar yeah, bear do. thing. Yeah, it's, it's right there. 
I'm also the maybe the world's biggest defender of the last episode. It's good. And I know Correct. everyone like trashes Correct. it. There's so much in it. Oh my gosh. I mean, we talk about like how much meaning and symbolism there is mm-hmm. in in Jaws. That like perfect full circle moment with how that mm-hmm. that episode. Don't ends. get me wrong. Some of it's very on the nose, but you know they weren't all dead from the start. <laughs> they weren't all it. dead from the start. <laughs> I love uh. it. I feel like just shouting to the heavens every time that gets brought up. (laughs) Also, you cannot... All I'll say, without spoiling my own podcast, is you cannot tell me that someone did not have in their minds the name Christian Shepherd and that end episode. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's too too perfect. Yeah. Well, and I... That is all I will say. I think, too, if... You know, I don't know if you're caught up... Caught up, caught up on this podcast, uh, Tom, but I've made several comparisons to... Jack and Locke as Hooper and Quint. Absolutely, I mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. I agree, and actually, you could say like we are. We, we talk a lot about how Locke is very close. Obviously, if you watch the show, is uh, or have watched it, is very close to being a bad guy when it's Locke. If that yeah. makes sense for anyone who's watched the show, yeah. but you know, like he's always we call it we call it Locke bollocks <laughs> over here. We like to say like because he's always got something up his sleeve and he's always doing something that you think. Actually, he's a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we love him. Mm-hmm. But he's actually so far, so close to being a bad guy. It's yeah. ridiculous when you really boil I it mean, down. Since Quint. Um, and I completely agree. The whole man of science, man mm-hmm. of faith. We oh. we love uh, we love both Jack and uh, Locke on on our podcast. Yep. I really love Jack. I really, really always have. Um, we we he's basically Superman of that mm-hmm. show. He he wants to do everything. <laughs> He seems to be able to do everything. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, we, we do love that show. And um, I agree. I defend that last episode to the death. I failed my computing exam at sixth form because I stayed up to watch it when it, when it was the first simulcast. Worth it. I got, I got a U. I'm not even kidding. Unclassified. And when my mum said, what happened? I went, I watched Lost. And she went, don't be silly. And I went, no, I did. I woke up too early. I didn't, and I did revise, but I was just too tired. So, yeah, yeah, I, I totally worth it. I also have a fun. Uh, we will wrap this up. So <laughs> this becomes lock lock cast. Uh, I lock cast lost cast even. Um, I <laughs> uh, I also stayed up for because it was on at like I don't know five in the morning. Five, yeah, it was five it in was, the morning. Yeah, it was real early. But I also I woke up earlier than that because I wanted to watch the episode before the last episode. Uh-huh first mm-hmm. so that i kind of had it fresh in my mind um mm-hmm. so i got up stupidly early to watch it i then had work that day this was when i was working in retail and i fell asleep in the stockroom. so <laughs> absolutely worth it I agree. what a great day <laughs> and there was i will say again just before just before we wrap it up there was one moment in the simulcast where it nearly stopped it froze yes yes and i felt I a collective well. a collective scream among around great britain like if anyone's up watching it, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, I had a meltdown. I was. <laughs> yeah, me too. And this is obviously before Twitter, so it's just a case of texting all your friends who were up at the same time, like, oh my god. <laughs> I was working at a video store when the final episode aired, and I had to work that oh. night. And so I got off at 11 p.m. and it, it, this was before Hulu. This was before like we before I had a DVR, but ABC <laughs> would upload the show the episode to their website but not until 2.30 in the morning. I got off at 11, and I stayed up until 2.30 in the morning and then stayed up to watch it. 
<laughs> Solidarity but, mm-hmm. with us. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had to watch it in a similar way to you guys, even though I was in the country and aired it at the normal time. Hey, look, exactly. this is a, I found my people. This is great. Uh... <laughs> this is phenomenal. Well, I will I will keep you both in mind. Don't worry. If we have guests, I know where to go. Yeah, I did not realize you were that big of a Lost fan, Sarah. Hey, look, <laughs> I keep it. Uh, I'll keep it on the down low. But I think sometimes when you say you're a fan of Lost, people are like, "Ew, why?" Yeah. But yes, big fan. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's wrap this up. Uh, we are, as we mentioned, uh, rapidly heading towards the the end of the film. And when we finish the film, we've got a a big. Uh, episode planned where we're gonna watch the film beginning to end not minute by minute uh and sort of talk about how that is after doing it in this way and talk about the our pod experience in general and just all kinds of stuff uh we figured that would be better placed as its own episode rather than trying to do it in our last bit of the film so we're going to finish the film and then we've got another episode after that so this is where uh you our listeners come in um we would like you to send us some questions so if you have any questions that you've been dying to ask us that we haven't already answered um this can be about the it can be about jaws obviously it can be about the podcast movies generally anything we're kind of leaving this this pretty open if you want to ask us anything uh and then of course we will do our best to answer those uh when we record that episode so you can send these uh either email them to jaws for a minute at gmail.com or uh dm us on on twitter at jaws for a minute i think that's uh the best way for us to to pick those up and uh yeah looking forward to well, one, recording that episode, and two, seeing what questions you guys come up with. Yep. Uh, I'm sure you will think of things that we don't. Uh, so that will be <laughs> really great and really fun to, to have you guys involved in that as well, because you've all been on this journey with us. Uh, so only right that we involve you in that last uh, very special episode of our Jaws uh, season. Anyway, the world's longest uh, podcast season. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> if you want to uh, find us on social media you can do that uh, we are on twitter and finstagram at jaws for a minute if you want to follow us individually i'm at sarah buddery and mj is at mj smith 891 if you go to either our twitter or instagram you can find the link tree in our bio there you will find the link to our t public and Redbubble pages uh, where you can purchase our merchandise courtesy of at hex ghosts on twitter you can also purchase our theme song which is by at kristen falls music on instagram the link to her Bandcamp page to buy our theme song is in her Instagram bio as well as our link tree. Uh, you can also find in our link tree the link to our coffee page where for minimum of £3 or $3 you can buy some virtual caffeine. Uh, and in doing so you will get a shout out on the show and also be entered into a draw to win a t-shirt. Uh, we'll probably also do a big when we hit a next listener goal uh competition as well so uh, a couple of ways that you could win some of our excellent merchandise that will keep you guys informed about finally uh no extra cost to you you can rate review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice that really helps us out um and you can just tell tell your friends tell everyone you know to to come and check us out doesn't matter what point you pick up our episodes if you've been following from the very beginning if you're only just starting if you've gone back and listened to them all over again uh you can kind of come in whenever, whenever. I'd recommend, obviously, people starting off from the beginning and heading through to 
I don't know, just understand what we're talking about most of the time. But yeah, it's really cool just how people have been finding us in different ways and at different times as well. And never too late uh, to join the LJ fam fam as we like to call ourselves sometimes. Uh, That is all, I think, for this week. So until next time, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere.